This morning, I'd like you to take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Roundup Sunday is ultimately about heaven. It's ultimately about magnifying Jesus Christ and to draw people in the world to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Um, when we think about what a roundup is, a roundup is really found in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, we find a roundup that's called for in Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9, 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. And here's the phrase, as sheep having no shepherd. In this passage, the next two verses actually call for the Lord's direction that there would be laborers to go out into the harvest. And we often think about that as a field. Matter of fact, our Roundup Sunday flyer is a, is a uh, on, on Facebook anyway, is a uh, video going across a wheat field. But when we look at the context of what just happened here, and I don't think that's inappropriate, I just think that in the context of what happened here, this is the idea of, of sheep scattered everywhere. There's a call for laborers to do what? To go round them up to go gather them in, to bring them in. And you know the old gospel song, bring them in. And that's the idea. It's a, it's a right message to say. It's a right message to give. Why? Well, in the context of this passage, first of all, it's important to know doctrinally that God is in the world loving people. Amen? Amen. That God is in the world loving people. And it's his love that looks out on the nature, the state of mankind, and sees their need and engages to meet their need. And there are those that would look at evil in the world. And is there evil in the world? A little bit? A lot? Deal with it every day? On the, way, on the way here, on the way here this morning, there was a guy at a stoplight. He was walking. He had a coffee in hand. Amen. He was doing right. Had coffee in hand. And he was trying to cross. Now, if you know the intersection... It's Karcher and Caldwell Boulevard. And he was crossing that, he was crossing that intersection. And as he was crossing it, he is a bigger guy, okay? Probably drinking that heavy loaded Starbucks stuff. Uh, anyway, he was moving across. I know you shook your head. No, I agree. Uh, he was moving across the intersection. This is all he could do. Oh, he's moving like this. And, and, and my girl said, look at him kind of walk jogging. And I said, I don't think that's a walk jog. And uh, he got across, got across the other side. And it was evident that was not a walk jog. That was all he could do because his body wasn't working right. And I pointed at him and I said, feel you, brother. I got it. I know, I know what that's like. We have instances all around our world where the need of a Savior's magnified. Where this world is crying out for wanting rescue. Do you get it? I mean, it's right in front of your, sometimes literally, in front of your face. The world's trying to figure out how to be saved from diseases. Do you think we're going to get there? Are we going to be saved from all the diseases that the world has to offer here on this planet? Who is the one who ultimately heals all your diseases? 
It's in the Psalms. It's, it's the Lord who is the healer of all disease. I told you last week I got a friend who's at home on hospice. He's two years younger than me. He has a short time to live. It's cancer. It's going to take his life. And there are people praying for a miracle. We'd love to see a miracle where he is healed. Yes. But if cancer is the vehicle that takes him to glory, at least he knows Jesus so that he's going to glory. The world is full of trouble. No matter where you go, no matter where you look, it's everywhere. The world is screaming of the problems that we have. And it'll scream some more. In your own life, you probably have those things going on in your life. And what happens in the world is that you'll have the uh, sadistic or you'll have the, uh, I'm not sure what the right, right word is, the, the accusatory remark towards God. Well, if God is so loving, then why did he let this happen? Understand that God allows sin to happen in the world. He's not the originator of sin. He's not the author of sin, but he allows it to happen in the world for his glory. Why? All the corruption and the sin in this world tells you this world is not our final home. You're going to dwell eternally in one of two places. You're either going to be with God in heaven through the person of Jesus Christ, or you're going to be separated from him forever in what the Bible calls hell or ultimately the lake of fire. And there is a need for a savior, and he magnifies that. Your time on this earth is very short. <coughs> Your time on this planet, the Bible says you have a certain number of days. Do you ever think what life's going to be like for you? Do you ever think about what the next day is going to hold? Do you ever think what you're going to be doing in 10 years? Do you? What if God called your name before then? What if God called your name? What if God called your name? Would you be ready to meet him? Would you be ready? Uh, okay, look, God's grace every day, right? It's God's grace. First of all, Praise God I'm saved. Are you, are you glad you're saved? Yes. So my wife said, she was thinking about last night, she was thinking about, uh, she said, you know, um, I couldn't help it. We were getting your roundup clothes out. She said, I couldn't help but think, what would have been like had you not been here? And uh, I, would, I would have to admit, there's a part of me that says, Bob, I think you said it. <laughs> I think you just said, I'm being glory, praise God. But, you know, there was a sweetness, even, even in last night, God's got a plan for me. God's got something for me. Last night, my little Joe comes down to say goodnight to me. And he comes and he just, he does, he does one of those blessed four-year-olds where you wonder if you like, they like you really. But then he shows he really does. So he hugs me and he gives me a big old squeezy hug and says, love you, daddy. And I'm like, praise God, I get to be here for that. Now, is that all God has for me? No. But thank God we can be here in this time, in this place right now. Breathing, taking air, taking up space as believers because God has something for you to do until we get to glory. And I'm going to tell you this, is to magnify Jesus Christ in whatever circumstances we are in. Amen? Whatever we find ourselves in. And here's the point. The world is in trouble. The world needs a savior. You're not going to find it in any party. You're not going to find it in any politic. You're not going to find it in any administration. This world is messed up six ways from Sunday. We need Jesus. We need a Savior. 
So the Lord looks on the planet. He looks across at this scene. And he says in verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. John 3, 17, most people know John 3, 16. We'll go ahead and say it. You know it, quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does God love you to offer salvation? Does he want to save you? Yes. Has he magnified you need a savior? Yes. Will you come to him? You see, verse 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him, what? Might be saved. In this room, there are people that might be saved. You've got to make a decision about Jesus Christ. You've got to make a decision to place all of your faith on him to be your savior. There's nothing going to do. How many have taken pills? Come on, join me. How many have taken pills? I hate it, I'm taking pills. Stop trading pills. Stop doing that. What's that one do? I don't know. Uh, I'm still dealing with that mess myself, and I'm, I, I, I hate it. Every, every Saturday, I got to get out my seven-day box. Load, 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 load. I know it. I know it. And what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get through. I'm trying to make it. And there's God's grace. There's God's grace gives you the strength to do what you're doing. God's grace to get you from one day to the next. But why do we, why do we take in this stuff? Why are we trying to get to the next day? We're trying to last as long as we can, but you're not going to outlast this physical body where this physical body is going to live forever. This body is under corruption. This body is slated to die someday. And something is either going to take me to glory, or by the grace of God, maybe he'll come back and take us to him. All of my hope is in Jesus to save this person and to give me what he says is a glorified body someday. Where the Bible talks about him making a place for us where we'll be with him where there is no sorrow, no crying, no sickness, no death. Amen? Amen. Who's the savior that can make that happen? Jesus. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. That's the path. So I want to warn you in this room, when you see bad things happen and the heart immediately turns to question God as if you're the judge. God, if you're a loving God, why did you let that happen? God is a loving God to tell you you need a Savior and you better come to him. God is a loving God to know that you're under the curse and that the sentence for your sin is eternal separation from God if it isn't for the grace of God in telling you about his son who died for you to take your sin upon him that he might give you his righteousness in exchange for your sin. The way you receive that is by faith. The Bible says it's a call. 
in Romans 10, 13, you know the verse? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what's it say? Might be saved? Maybe? Shall be saved, rescued. You looking for rescue? Are you looking for rescue? I hope so. I hope so. Every redeemed person in this room has found rescue in Jesus. Every lost person in this room has the invitation for rescue in Jesus. But you need to call on him and place your faith in him. You can't do any more or add any more to the sufficiency of what Christ did for you. He paid it all. He did it all. So we don't get baptized to go to heaven. We don't give in the offering plate to go to heaven. We don't live a good life to get to heaven. None of those things can get us there. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And the gospel call today is, is Christ looking over the world and saying, with compassion, they are scattered as sheep having no shepherd. That ought to hearken your, your soul back to Psalm 23 where the Lord wants to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. And the not want there isn't a decision that I'm not going to want anything. The, the want there is a description that God is a provider of all your need. Praise God. Now, we're going to take a short turn back in Matthew, and I want to magnify some things about Jesus. We've come to the end of Matthew 9, but go back to Matthew 9, 1 through 8. Matthew 9, 1 through 8, this is um, several parts to this message, but I'm going to try to move quickly, okay? And I, I know I'm going to be fast now because I'm going to read through this quickly. Verse 1, he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, Matthew 9, 2 now. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. He was paralyzed, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, what does he say? Son, be of good cheer. What? Let me ask you, who has power on earth to forgive sins? Can any human being forgive your sin where it is eradicated in the sight of God? where it's taken away in the sight of God. Can any human being do that for you? If someone has the power to forgive sins, who are they? If someone has the power to forgive sins, who is that person? It's God. So what I'm saying is in Matthew 9, we walk through this chapter, God in his grace magnifies who he is so that everyone will know him. So everyone will know this is not a good man, this is not a prophet, this is the Son of God come to earth to offer salvation for all who will turn to him. And the salvation he offers in this first illustration is to wash your sins away. Do you want your sins washed away? Do you want, do you want your sins forgotten in the face of God? In this passage, verse 3, Behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk? Which one would be easier? Well, the answer is, Who can do either of these things? Only God. But that, ye, but that ye may know the purpose of doing this, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, the paralyzed man, Arise, 
take up thy bed and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house, and all God's people said, Amen. The people marveled when they saw it, and they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. What is the power that was given unto men? The power is the Savior. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that what? Believe on his name. What power has been graced on this planet? The power of salvation through Jesus. Amen? So he makes this paralyzed man walk. Something only God can do. And he does so to illustrate this. I am the Savior that can take away all of your sin, every last one. Past, present, and future. You want your sins forgiven? Come to Jesus. Place your faith in him. Verses 18 through 26, as we jump forward in the passage, there's calling of a disciple, there's other things that happen in this chapter, but in 18 verse 26, there's actually a couple things that happen. Well, I spake these things, verse 18, unto them, Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Jesus arose and followed them, and so did his disciples. And behold, here's a side note. This woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. God in his grace magnifies his power that he can heal all diseases in this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. What we know about that is she was walking around with perpetual anemia. She's perpetually sick, perpetually going through life in a very muted uh, grasping fashion, looking for help. By the way, when you want help, where do you go? Do you ever go to doctors? Yeah. Can they help? Yeah, but can they actually take everything away? I last, again, I'll tell you last night, my little Joe's looking, he, like, he likes to sit beside me. I was, I was uh, in my, I'm still in the hospital bed in my house, so I, I do my, sometimes my work from there, and Joe sits beside me. He flips through all the pictures on my phone. He came to the pictures of, of my my hips in x-ray and he sees that picture and he, and he says daddy what's that and it's got two bolts going from one side to the other about that about that long <laughs> he said daddy what's that and I said well that's that's metal that's that's some bolts going in my in my body holding me together and he says, everybody got those? <laughs> I said, Joe, you don't have them, buddy. And I want you to get them. You don't, <laughs> you don't have them. Um, am I glad the doctors can help? Absolutely. Who's going to take these bolts from my body? Who's going to take these plated ribs? Who's, who's going to take that metal out of this body? Jesus. This is going to be a glorified body. I know you know this isn't glorified right now. Amen. But it's going to be someday. Someday. Amen? Amen? You want that glorified body that God promises? How are you going to get it? Jesus. Jesus. 
It's Jesus. Here, this woman, 12 years, there's no doubt this lady had sought help. There's only one person who can take all those pills away. It's Jesus. There's only one person who can take all the ugly out of this world. It's Jesus. And he promises that to every child that comes to him. The sheep are scattered. He's calling out, come to me. Come to me. Come. I will save all who come to me. Come. On the way, verse 23, Jesus came to the ruler's house. He saw the minstrels and the people making noise. What were they doing? Mourning. He said in verse 24 unto them, give place. In other words, maybe he said more gracious, I'm gonna say it in a paraphrase, get out of the way. For the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And the idea here is that when they're communicating that she is dead, it seems to me that she's as good as dead is the idea. There's nothing gonna help her now. She's as good as gone. Jesus says, give place for the maid is not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. Why? Because from the human perspective, if we would have looked at her, we would have said she's dead too. But when the people were put forth, he went in, and what did he do? He took her by the hand. And the maid did what? This one who was as good as dead got up. And the fame thereof or hereof went abroad into all the land. What did Jesus do here? He's magnified again. He is the healer of all diseases, even through the power of death. I preached a message like this one time on Resurrection Sunday. The greatest power on earth is what? Well, you got your answer, but here's mine. The greatest power on earth is death. And only God can overcome it. And he's done so through the person of Jesus Christ. This is the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of your making, not the Jesus of your design, but the Jesus who manifested who the Father is by the works that he did. And in this, he heals a paralyzed man. He heals a woman with the issue of blood. He raises this maid, this young girl, who was as good as dead and would have succumbed to death had it not been for the intervening power of Almighty God. The same is true for everyone in this room spiritually. The Bible says, who's a sinner? Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody is right in God's sight. Nobody. Why? Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you agree? Everyone is under that sentence. <laughs> Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. How's it in? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Does God want you to be saved? Absolutely. Does he provide an opportunity for you to be saved? You're sitting right here hearing the gospel.
What are you going to do with Jesus? Amen? Amen. Matthew 9, 27. <coughs> One step further. I'm going to take a time out here. You nervous about COVID? Some say no. Have people died recently that we know of with COVID? Yep, absolutely. Are you going to die? I'm not being cavalier here either. I, I don't think you go out and say, hey, I don't care. I'm, you know, I, I don't, I'll get sick. We had COVID early on. You know what? It wasn't no fun. My wife and I, what were we, two weeks down with it? Could it, could it take your life? Could it take your life? And by the way, don't get me wrong. In this room, there are people wearing masks and, and, and people that don't. And, and you do what you believe you need to do. God give everybody here wisdom. But here's what we know, or here's what I know in my mind. I don't know that I can prevent myself from getting COVID. Do you know what I want to make sure of? I want to make sure that I know Jesus. You think COVID is the last disease we'll ever hear about? Can you get diagnosed this next week with cancer? Would you want rescued? Some say, well, I'm ready to go to glory. Uh, truth matter is, you know, I think it's right to want to be. Pastor Phil, Samantha, you had one of your little boys go through cancer, right? So it's like, um, you know, Elias dealt with that. It's not, it's not a good thing. It's not a fun thing. But we know this on this planet, there's going to be all these issues that come around us. Every one of these magnifies, we need a Savior. Here, there's, I will call these just maladies. In Matthew 9, 27, we read about blind men, okay? So Matthew 9, 27, Jesus departed thence, and blind, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Why? What did they want? They just wanted to be able to see. When he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were what? And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See, that no man know it, but they, but they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Now there's reasons Jesus said about not magnifying it at that time, but the point is this. Jesus is the one who was able to take someone who was blind and make them see. Who can do that? God can. God's the one who can speak into your life and magnify this. You're broken. You're broken in more, way than, more ways than one. And in that brokenness, there's a Savior who's come to meet you in that brokenness. He's come to magnify who he is to you so that you will turn to him. And what he tells us is that turning to him is a promise of salvation, of everlasting life, of glory. Uh, you know, I have to admit, you know, it's, it's a sad thing to think about Gunner having died this last week. Do you wonder what Gunner is like in heaven? Do you ever wonder? I mean, what is Gunner's 
What would it be like to see Gunner? Gunner was still on the planet learning words. I bet he's learned a few praise words now. Can you imagine being in the presence of the majestic holy God of all? It's Jesus who's the savior. It's Jesus who's the rescuer. Jesus offers this to you and proves his ability to do it by doing these things like healing two blind men. I've, how many wearing glasses in here? There they are. Well, I don't know where my glasses. Well, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. That's why I don't wear my glasses. I, I should. You all look better without them. <laughs> Just kidding, okay? It was a joke. I'm not going to need them in glory. No canes, no walkers. I'm telling you, heaven is better than you can dream of. So much so that when we often describe heaven, how do we describe heaven? How, how do we just, what's one of the number one ways we describe heaven? Well, physically, one of the things we talk about, we're going to walk on streets of gold. Does that sound exciting? I wonder if God says, why are they talking about pavement? Why are they talking about sidewalks? I don't know. It's better than you can imagine. It's better than I can imagine, but it's offered only through the person of Jesus. He magnifies the problems these men had in blindness and was not uh, without compassion to their need, but they believed that Jesus had the power to do it. And according to their belief, he granted unto them the ability to see. Now, God calls you to live or express a life of faith in Jesus as your Savior. If you don't have that moment in your life where you turn to Christ, the Bible says in John 3.18 that you are under the condemnation of God even now. But he magnifies that not just to magnify that you're lost, but to tell you there's a way to be found. Come to the one, the shepherd, who's calling the sheep. The finding of the sheep come to the Savior. Matthew 9, 32 through 34, And as they went out, behold, they brought unto him a dumb man, a man possessed with the devil, a man who was unable to speak, where there were demonic forces at play in his life. Is the devil powerful in this world? Yes. Is the devil having his way in this world? Yes. Is the devil involved in all that's going on in the governances of this world? Yes. Christian, you're not supposed to like it. You're supposed to live in faith. You do realize that back in the time of the writing of this New Testament, there were believers that were facing a very unfriendly government you do realize that believers were being killed. You do, do realize that believers were being crucified, that believers were being thrown to the lions, that believers were being lit 
as candles that people throughout the ages naming the name of Christ have suffered. Why? Because we go to a Savior where he's provided for us a home and salvation, rescue. While devil, the devil has power in this world, I believe this illustration in this passage is magnified so that you will know that God is sovereign over all. And there is no plan of Satan or spiritual forces where we need to be afraid that somehow Satan will usurp the authority of God. He cannot. As they went out, behold, they brought unto him a dumb man possessed with the devil. When the devil was cast out, the dumb man spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees, in their continued rebellion, said, He casteth out devils for the prince of the devils. You know, there are those in the world that do the same thing right now. Instead of coming to God who's willing to save, they'll stand there in defiance and accuse and reject the offer of a God to save your soul. Let me tell you something that's a reality. No matter how much the Pharisees denied Jesus, he still proved himself to be the savior of the world. If these Pharisees died without Christ, they've been suffering, separated from him ever since their death. And it will ever be so. Is that a horrible thought? Yes, so much so. There was a survey taken. If there was one doctrine that all of Christianity would want to reject, it would be the idea of an eternal hell. But no Bible-believing Christian will reject the doctrine because God has said, it is so. Because it is so, a Savior has been given. What will you do with Jesus? We come back then to our end of our passage. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Go to John 10, and we'll be done. John 10. Our last passage this morning, John 10. The illustration of the sheep being scattered. They're all over the hillside. They're going this way and that. Then said Jesus unto them again, verse 7 of John 10, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am what? The door. By me, if any man will enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Read verse 11, would you? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The picture here is what is often done 
in uh, really any country, but it has been particularly what we'll call third world countries or early New Testament time, there would have been a rock often, kind of a rock-walled, what we'll call a pen. It was usually a circle. And in that circle, there would be one place of entry. And very often, what happened is that the shepherd would guide his sheep into that rock-walled pen. Now, what was the purpose of that pen? The purpose of that pen was to provide for his sheep a place of what? Rescue, a place of safety. There was only one way in because of the walls. The one way in was the door. The shepherd, often in this picture, was this pen did not have a wooden door or a gate. The idea of the pen was that the shepherd would sit, lie, stand, or be in the presence of that gate. If his sheep wanted to go out into the pasture, they went through the shepherd to find feed and came back into the, pa- into the pen to find safety should they feel threat. He was the door that had them going out and the door that had them coming in, one door. Every sheep that came into that pen in this picture belongs to that shepherd. The reason they could go out is that they were still under the protection and guidance of their shepherd. And as they fed outside the pen, he was under their purview, under their watch care, Psalm 23. But particularly at night, he would gather those sheep. And by the way, this is how a shepherd would guide his sheep. In whatever language or voice he would use, sometimes they would have a call. Sometimes it would be simply, for us, it'd be simplest to be the word, come. Come, sheep, come. And those sheep recognize the voice of that shepherd. And they listen to him. And they actually come to him and through him to the place of safety. You could have 17 different flocks out in a field. And a shepherd could call out to his flock and those sheep know his voice. This is a a reality in farming today. Sheep know the voice of their master. And they respond to that voice so that they will come to him and him alone. How do we really know where you are? Do you listen to the voice of Jesus? Will you respond to the voice of Jesus? You see in this gospel roundup Sunday, God is throwing out his message of the gospel to the world through this venue that we're using right here. That gospel calls to everyone within the sound of my voice, either here or online. If you will come, he will save. But there is no other door. There is no other way. Last thing and I'll be done. Have you noticed a lot of people moving? Have you noticed a lot of people moving? 
Where are they moving to? Idaho. <laughs> I saw something, other, I didn't watch it, but I saw something, it was a testimonial. It said, why Hawaiians are trying to, are begging people not to move there. I'm like, well, I think Idaho people might be saying that too, but why, why are people moving here? I, I'm asking you, why, why are people moving here? Are finances a part of it? Are they trying to escape more taxes and more government? Are, are people trying to escape that? Yep. Are people looking for a more free place? Yep. Those good reasons to come to Idaho would better because there's a lot of people who came over that idea. Eventually, you'll recognize there is no place that you can move that will save you from the curse of this world. There's no magic nirvana on this planet. Heaven's heaven. There's only one way to get there. There's only one way to come into that gate. It's through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. What will you do with Jesus? As we close this morning, God is offering salvation to everybody that will come. 